0: Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today we're in Genesis 15, but before we get started, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for being the creator of all, the creator of me, and for actually wanting to know me and talk to me and communicate to me. Thank you for being interested in my life, for wanting what's best for me. And for guiding me and giving me your protection, your wisdom, and your love. I thank you most of all for your grace. Because I am a failure. I am a sinner. And Lord, I just pray now as we go through your word. That you would speak to us. That Holy Spirit, you would be our counselor today. That you would open our hearts and our minds. And that you would speak your message to us. That our spirits would be receptive. And that it would be your words, your message and your ideas, that would convict us and drive us forward, that would fill us with, with inspiration and power, and that you'd be the one that we listen to, not me, but you. May it be your words that are said and shared. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today we're in 15, as I said, and if you remember, we just read about the um, Abram going and rescuing Lot who had been taken away by one of the kings, Keldamar, And um, basically Lot, I mean, uh, Abram went with 300 men, 318 I think it said, and in the night did a raid, killed most of the enemy, or a lot of the enemy, and rescued his nephew, who he then started to call brother. And when he returned, he had all the loot, he had all the people as slaves, he had the animals, the material items that he took with him, And the king of Sodom, who didn't have this right, said to him, oh yeah, you can keep all the people, or give me the people and you can keep the goods. Well, that guy didn't have any rights to it. But Abram said, hey, I'm not even going to keep that. I don't want you to be able to say you made me rich. It was anything you did. It's strictly God. He made sure that his men who went with him, they got their rewards and their share. But that's it. Abram didn't take anything. And then we get into... Actually, into chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. What would Abram be afraid of? Well, quite possibly. You know, he's hanging out there. He's only got 300 people. More kings could have come and, you know, the survivors could have all teamed up and come after him. So he had a lot on his mind. And often, you know, after there's been a big victory, there's kind of a letdown. So, who knows what Abram was thinking, but God did. And he said, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, because he had something else on his mind, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar, Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring indeed. One born in my house is my, indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, think about this. This is a vision, but this is how God communicates with people. So in this vision, Abram's just talking with God saying, hey, I'm kind of frustrated. I'm I'm upset. You're telling me these great things, but... I don't even have a kid for, to be my heir. So he says, this one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, now look toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So ultimately that's an infinite, almost an infinite number. And he believed in the Lord, and he recounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut, cut them in two down the middle. And placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them for four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old old age, but in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. The Kenites, the Kenazites, the Cadmonites, Kad- the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gogashites, i am sorry—and the Jebusites. So God gave Abram a lot. He made him some pretty significant promises, i.e., a covenant. And Abram, for his part, you know, he was tired and he was kind of dejected. And he's like, God, what the the heck? Because Abraham was just a guy. We saw it in the past and we see it again in this story. He has his doubts. He still acts. He still does what God tells him to do. He still has faith in him. But at the same time, he still has his own concerns. But he acts because he's acting out of faith and righteousness. So in one of the commentaries I have, it's called the Preaching the Word Commentary. On this chapter and in this section it talks about, we keep in mind as we examine Gem- Genesis 15, 1 through 6, which is the Bible's landmark text for understanding the relationship between faith and righteousness. Righteousness through faith was not new to Abram. It was intrinsic in primeval, primeval pre-flood history in the lives of Abel, Enoch, Enoch and Noah. You can go and read about their their faith, but those three represented true faith and righteousness prior to the flood and the, the starting over of the human race. Primeval history ended with the flood and the rise and fall of the Tower of Babel. Patriarchal history began with Abram's father and Abram became the great exemplar of faith, the father of all who believe. The curve of Abram's faith graphs unevenly. We've seen that he has peaks and valleys. It soars when he hears God's word and leaves Ur, traveling west across the fertile crescent and down its side, south into Canaan. It spikes higher when Abram travels the land, building altars and calling on the name of the Lord. So here he is. He's at a peak. He's doing. He's traveling. He's gone on faith. He's building altars, and he's just like on fire for God but the curve dives dramatically in his disastrous trip to egypt after egypt it gently rises when he returns to canaan repentant and rises more in his generous faith-based dealings with lot so here he was he was at a peak he was like god is great i'm building all these altars i'm on fire have you ever known known anyone like that have you ever been like that only then to be put into egypt where he crashed and burned and then gradually you come back. Your faith grows, regrows. You keep going back to God. And then in chapter 14, the faith curve again sweeps upward in his magnanimous rescue of Lot from the kings of the east and his continual magnanimity as he is blessed by Mazedek, gives him gifts, and refuses to keep the plunder of the eastern kings. Abram models faith to the entire world. So, it goes now. We go on, and actually, if you continue in this commentary, it talks about Abram and it, goes, it talks about verses one through six. But I'm not going to go down that path very far. But it does say now, in the aftermath, Abram's great, hist- great heart slows and spasms with doubt and fear, which isn't uncommon to human experience following strenuous victories. Elijah suffers similar effects after his victory over the priest of, ba- of Baal. At Mount Carmel, even fleeing into the wilderness and asking God to let him die. So that and that was crazy. He like he wiped out the priest of Baal. And through yeah, he did and God did through him. And yet he then ran away. He was so afraid of the power of God and righteousness of God, I guess, that he just like, I ran away. He ran away into the wilderness. Abram was tired, fearful. And despondent. Humanly, Abram had reasons to fear reprisals from the Eastern Coalition. Bigger armies might return. He also had a lot of time to reflect, on, on in the aftermath of his victory, about his inheritance. When he says, "You know, he's been told that you know Sarah's barren, but he's going to go and have kids that that you know populate the world," and he's like, "Wow, how is that going to happen?" And without even speaking it, God knows what his issue is. He's afraid of reprisals. And he's af- he's concerned about the promise. And then God speaks to him and says, Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. God is good. He knows where you're at at any one time. He knows where I'm at. And the key is, is for us to keep going back to him. To keep going back. Even when our faith curve drops dramatically and we have an Egypt moment or two or three. The key is to get back to God and keep moving forward. I know in my own life, I've had that. I experienced it. I experienced it before I started doing this. I was in a pretty low place and God said, do this. I'm like, who the heck is going to care about this commentary for me or comments or readings for me? But I did it. It's the faith. That's all that it, that's what is asked of us, is to move in faith. Anyways, with that, I'm going to just close up in prayer. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your word. I thank you that in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we hear your voice. We hear your words and your message. I just thank you that, Holy Spirit, you're talking to me and that you open my heart, my mind, and my ears. And I pray for your strength to do your will. Father, I just ask that today you would be honored and glorified by my works, by my efforts. But most importantly, I pray for your continued forgiveness for all my failures. I thank you for loving me and being my God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God. I hope you have a great day.